Hey, everybody. Aaron Dillon here, Managing Director of AG Dillon & Co. We're a venture capital firm focused on pre-IPO companies uh, and working with individual investors, financial advisors, and institutional investors and family offices. All right, so I got a pre-IPO company update for you here today. The week ending 06 January 2022. Today we'll hit on uh, big company news, large capital raises, uh, individual company, pre-IPO stock update. I got a lot of index updates for you since the quarter ended here. Uh, we'll spotlight Canva uh, as, an, as a kind of large company and then also spotlight on autonomous driving with the cruise in San Francisco. All right. So uh, first up, we got Canva. All right, so Canva is an online graphic design shop for novices. It announced Canva Docs and MagicWrite last month. Canva is a is a Microsoft Word type solution, but it's much easier to add graphics, video, etc. And in general, it's just cooler than Word, in my opinion. Right? Uh, you can easily embed Canva Canva Docs into a website, which is really nice. And then uh, they also announced MagicWrite, which is an integrated directly into Canva Doc. It's an AI that gives you a first draft copy of, of language or copy, and, uh, which is super interesting. And I think it's really, really powerful. And it's a, it's a major productivity hack, in my opinion, right? So if Canva is really embracing AI, in November of 2022, they released a Canva text-to-image. So um, you write, if you think about it, you write what you want the image, uh, Canva to image to be created, and the AI will actually make it for you. It's it, it's really incredible. I talked to one of my graphic designer illustrator friends uh, the other day, and he said this saves him literally hours to potentially days a week on creating images for marketing campaigns for his uh, ETF company, asset management company that, he, that he's the CMO of. So I anticipate that these AI integrations for Canva will drive subscriptions, incremental subscriptions, and that the doc product could potentially even take market share from uh, Microsoft and Google. But we'll talk more about Canva later, but I wanted to highlight those two new uh, offerings from them. Okay, and then listen, there was a flurry of 409A activity this uh, this past month, and another one hit today, which kind of prompted me to, to put this together. So Stripe made an announcement today. I wanted to bring it all together, highlight what it means in a broader kind of broader context. Uh, but first, to, to kind of highlight the sources of valuations for pre-IPO stocks, because a lot of folks I talk to don't quite understand this. So, you know, I like I like primary financing rounds first followed by the 409A valuation second, and, and, and I'll get to that in a second. And then finally, uh, the large announced uh, secondary market trades are third. And then finally, it's the second kind of this aggregated secondary market uh, marks that you can get from firms like AFU or Forge or others uh, based on the order books and kind of smaller completed trades. But the 409A valuations are important, I think, especially if you're a buyer, Right, because oftentimes you're buying from employees, and employees have now this like number locked into their head uh, from their management team on like this is what the company's worth now. The new options and stock grants that are, are RSUs that are granted to employees have that 409A valuation as as kind of the the execution level uh, uh, for those uh, for those securities. So it's really it's it's uh, 409A. I think is a really interesting place, but nothing's better than the primary financing round. But in a year like this year, right, where the market didn't perform very well, uh, you know, these large pre-IPO stocks typically don't go into the primary capital markets. You know, the one exception from this was Klarna. They got stuck in a cash crunch as they were kind of doing their right in the middle of their global expansion. And they had to hit the capital markets at a really bad time. So unfortunately, uh, you know, that was that was like 
really unfortunate for Klarna. Um, uh, but outside of Klarna, a lot of the other pre-IPO stocks didn't have to hit the, the primary markets. In fact, Epic Games, Checkout.com, and SpaceX all did do it. But the stocks that I follow uh, hit the primary markets in 2022. But all three of them pro- uh, posted up rounds. And that's kind of the primary to primary. So that leads us to the 409A valuation. Um, I found that a lot of the 409A valuations happen in Q4. So not all are announced, but the ones that we do get from time to time uh, are out here. So my research, I found four. So Stripe came out today, in fact, at a $63 billion valuation. That's a 34% drop from their prior valuation, which was $95 billion. Right, checkout.com came out in December at 11 billion. That's a 72% drop from uh, their last primary round, which was in January of 2022 at 40 billion. Instacart in December again at 10 billion. Uh, that's a seven, 74% drop. That's rough, right? From 39 billion, which they had uh, at starting the year. And then Databricks came in in October at 31 billion. Um, and that's an 18% drop. So Databricks is kind of hung in there too. I also, it's, it's, you know, it's just, but across the board, it's just not pretty, right? With these year end valuations. I also took a look at the secondary market impact. So if I took the valuation at the beginning of the year or whenever the last kind of primary financing round or, um, or the 409A valuation, and I rolled that forward based on secondary market performance, what did that new kind of end of year uh, implied valuation look at? So that's in this last column here. Uh, you can see everything's down, even the ones that haven't had any kind of primary round for the data that I did have, uh, everything's down pretty dramatically. So I think it mirrors what's going on in the public markets. No surprise. It finally caught up into the private. Um, it'd be interesting to see when the market comes back, hopefully this year, right? Touch wood, uh, if these if these private stocks will rip up faster or if they're kind of lag uh, the, the public markets as well. I anticipate they'll probably rip up faster because the people buying these uh, these stocks are institutions and I think they'll be out ahead of the trade. All right, and let's take a look at large capital raises for the week real quick. So here are the five largest pre-IPO stocks by valuation that raised capital this week. It's biotech heavy, chart hop, uh, human resources tech company posted a down round, and Soma, one of the biotechs, pulled 85 million from a really interesting group of investors. You got Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in there, uh, the Qatar Sovereign Wealth Investment Authority, their sovereign wealth fund. Um, so biotech seems to be pulling in a lot of money as you look kind of over the last few weeks, even though everything else uh, seems to be falling off. I'll call it more software specific or software heavy. Um, the biotech firms seem to to be uh, be coming through, and also like physical materials or physical components, right? So motorcycles, like we had an electric motorcycle company uh, or or manufacturing type companies, uh, seem to be doing uh, doing well too. Okay, so let's take a look at um, the pre IPO equity index. All right. So uh, with the quarter end, uh, the vintage is updated. So I actually published 40 plus vintage indexes that I wanted to highlight to everyone here. I'd encourage you to jump in into those and take a look on agdillon.com. Uh, and I uh, think one important item for the vintage index that it would hit it, like we had three exits, right? So Magic Leap, which was in a few, um, a few of the vintages, was sold to Saudi's uh, Sovereign Wealth Fund. In December for 450 million, uh, which is a massive 
uh, unfor- a massive loss, unfortunately, down round uh, at that sale. And Saudi didn't buy all of it. It wasn't disclosed, but they do have a majority holding. So I anticipate that that's going to have a different profile going forward. Uh, Evernote sold the bending spoons. It's an Italian app developer in November. The valuation wasn't disclosed. And of course, FT- FTX filed for bankruptcy uh, in November as well. All right. So let's see if I can show you guys these indexes all right here we go okay so let me get sorted here oh okay give me one second all right so uh this is uh this is the index page here on agdillon.com here's all the indexes i'll just go through this quickly i won't show show them all to you but these are individual uh vintage indexes so if you imagine i have the same the same rules based methodology that i run every single quarter at the beginning of the quarter i strike that group of 15 stocks pre ipo stocks we equally weight them and then we let them run kind of going forward uh, into perpetuity. So you can start, we, you see, we ran the same methodology back in Q1 of 2012. We ran that forward for the 40 quarters. I'll just spotlight one of the years here for you so you can see what's inside. So if you click on this here, you can jump in and see the index methodology for this particular vintage index. And you can also jump in and see the constituents. So which companies were included. You can see their current status, if they've exited, if they're still private, like SpaceX here. Uh, you can see the inception, uh, the valuation inception. So when it came into the index, what was the valuation? When it exited, what was the valuation or what's the current valuation today? And then, of course, the changes. And then if you want to look at it from an index perspective, kind of a growth perspective, you can see this is what the starting uh, starting values of the index this is the current and then the change and then of course attribution so this really gives you the full details of the underlying holdings it's super interesting folks love this because they can kind of see what's happened uh, with the status of the company and how many of these companies have gone uh, public or been acquired we also got performance in here now again this is valuation performance so i just have to caution everyone it's not the same as a kind of price performance for an index so be thoughtful of that dilution isn't included right so uh, it's not great. I'm actually working with APU to see if we can go back and get historical primary financing round uh, sh- uh, share prices, stock prices for these respective companies here. And that would allow us to give us uh, more of a apples to apples comparison. But regardless, trailing valuation performance, annual valuation performance, growth of $10,000. And uh, we have that for every single one of these uh, vintage indexes in here uh, as well. Okay, and the last thing I'll highlight here for us is the uh, pre-IPO equity index. Okay, so this is the last 40 quarters, just to hit the the, the index methodology. This is the last 40 quarters of the, um, uh, the vintage indexes, right? So we have, uh, so for this quarter, that's Q1-13 to Q4-2022. And it's the same index methodology as all the vintage index, but this is an, a simple average of, of those. So here's the uh, performance, trailing performance and annual performance. Again, this is valuation performance. So same kind of disclosure thought process there. You can see it's good. It's good performance. Uh, again, you need to take this down a little bit for dilution, but uh, really interesting performance profile uh, over these kind of longer periods of time, three or five year uh, versus uh, versus the S&P and the S&P 500 growth. 
Um, and of course, you can see this here. Now, I should note this index is based on primary financing rounds only. It doesn't include secondary marks or the 409A marks like we discussed earlier. So, um, so you should take that in consideration. But certainly, I think if you're out there looking to purchase uh, a broad diversified basket of stocks, this is uh, certainly an index to look at and potentially um, uh, to, to have your eye on. There's also a fact sheet here. Let's see if I can pull this up. So this fact sheet's got some great data in it. Um, covers a lot of the stuff that's on the website, but we also have kind of plus or minus the S&P. Um, we also hit on the constituents that are in the index, the top holders, so co-investors. These are big institutions that are in there, geographic location, primary industry count. And then we give all the vintage, individual vintage performance here on one page. This is trailing, this is annual. And then of course we spotlight one of the companies here, but best place to look at this is actually on the website itself. So some good information um, on the uh, on on the website here uh, with the indexes. All right, let's go back to the presentation. Okay, so the other index that did uh, had a kind of a major update was the secondary investable market index. Uh, we had um, we had let's see here. Hold on, getting a little ahead of myself. Okay, so we did have. Um, a few changes. So Klarna and Carta came out, Deal and Rippling came in based on the index methodology. And I'll just highlight a few things because there was some interesting, there was some interesting uh, uh, items here in this index. So again, you can find this on the website. And what I really want to highlight is this activity here. So these are the weekly returns for the SIM index. Again, so this is secondary investable market. So the way it's different, it's the same index methodology. It's kind of the aggregate pre-IPO or the vintage indexes. The only difference is, is I go into 8View, which is the, again, the secondary market provi uh, data provider I have. And I look at all of the um, individual stocks to see if they had secondary market trading activity. If they did, they're in and if they don't, they're out. Uh, this is kind of a similar, if you're familiar with MSCIs like IMI, a lot of the other index providers have uh, this type of thought as well. But IMI stands for Investable Market Index. So this kind of like liquidity screen that they layer in on top of any type of index series, the same concept here. Uh, I call it SIM, Secondary Investable Market. But that's where you get a little bit of a different list of companies from kind of the broader index or the last vintage. And you can see what's happening here. So OpenSea just got crushed for the second, the entire fourth quarter, which is not a surprise considering what was going on with crypto, but it ripped back up again. This doesn't have a huge order book. So I, you know, there's a lot of, um, that might not be kind of a solid number, but what is interesting is Kraken was down, which you would expect. And then Chime Bank was down 32%. I, I don't know if Chime did a 409A valuation in December. I'm like super interested to find out. I'm gonna see if I can call some of my buddies over there at Chime. Uh, to see if they if they actually posted one, but I, that might be what's going on. Is some employees are looking to sell, so they do the doing four hundred nine a valuation. They call up the institutional brokers and they say, "Hey, I want to get out. You know, here's the number that I'm comfortable getting out at." And then that starts to trickle through into the secondary market and show up in in some of these marks. So I'll keep my eye on that with Chime and see uh, if there's any kind of uh, development uh, happening there. But all in all, not a great week for uh, pre IPO stocks. Um, hasn't started off so great either month to date. So we'll we'll uh, we'll keep looking at this. We're going to start to come off uh, some of this year over year performance. So it'd be interesting to see how we track 
you know, once we get through like first, second quarter and we're through some of this major downturn that happened in the first half of, uh, of 2022. Okay, let's keep going here. Okay, so the Spotlight Canva. Let me see if I can, can I hide this? There we go. Okay, so the Spotlight Canva. Um, all right, so we talked about this earlier. It's a $40 billion valuation. That's the last primary financing round. They've raised $581 million to date. Um, uh, and I think, I got to tell you, I think these guys are really dialed in. They're profitable. At, and I think that means that, you know, naturally they didn't have to uh, hit the primary financing round or capital markets to to finance the business or growth of the business. And they're focused on AI. And that really shined through, I think, in fourth quarter with a lot of their new product release. I, I This is going to be, I think, really good for their valuation, especially as we kind of come out the other side with the open AI chat GPT thing that's going on. AI seems to be the hot dot in 2023 for venture firms. And I wouldn't be surprised to see, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see this, uh, you know, kind of continue. Um, for for try for uh, excuse me Canva valuation as well. Okay, and to take a look at a few uh, uh, spotlight items for them. Um, so no four hundred nine a announcement either. Uh, APU my second as I mentioned the secondary market trading uh, data provider uh, doesn't have an order book either for Canva from its brokers that it works with. Um, but it's got a great set of investors. You can see early investors, uh, these guys stand to make the seed to Series A. These guys are going to make probably 5,000 plus returns, if not more, uh, on on their investments with Canva here. And it's a SaaS business. So, you know, with, it's got 110 million customers. It's 83% year-over-year user growth. It's incre just incredible numbers. And the last item I'd probably highlight here is, is Figma, which is one of its major competitors, Sold to Adobe in 2022 for 20 billion dollars. So it's one of the biggest exits of the year, and it's certainly the biggest in the United States. I mean, China kind of dominated the exit market globally in 2022. But uh, I believe Figma. I think Figma was a third, if I'm not mistaken, third largest exit in uh, uh, globally and the largest in the U.S. Okay, and then from a business model perspective, there's kind of free Canva. A lot of folks use that, but the magic starts to happen with the pro version, which is $120 per year, right? And of course, you pay that. You can pay that monthly as well. Uh, the marketplace that they have is really interesting too. So designers can come in there and put uh, their their work up on uh, up on Canva Marketplace, and if any of the users come in and buy that work, let's like a, let's say it's an Instagram post template or a, a presentation template or an email uh, template or whatever it might be, mass email distribution template. You know, all of those things can um, can be purchased on Canva and Canva will take a fee. So it's almost like an Apple app store, right? Where Apple's taking a fee of, of any kind of revenue that gets generated from the apps through the app store. It's the same thing for the marketplace. So it's really interesting business model and I think positions Canva well uh, into the future. Okay, the last thing I want to hit on is... Uh, cruise, and I think this might take a second to come through here because I got a video on the other side of this, but we'll see if we can get this to play. If not, I'll, I'll see if I can find it directly. Okay, so here we go. So this is Cruise, and I want to spotlight autonomous driving. Oh my God, this is so cool. Okay, so this is a, uh, this video is highlighting uh, Cruise, which is an autonomous driving company. They're live in San Francisco and several other 
um, uh, state or uh, cities, excuse me, in uh, the United States, but they have these driverless cars. They're on the road. They're actually driving people around. Uh, so this is happening. And, uh, you know, I can probably see this coming more and more and more to uh, more U.S. cities across the country. It'd be interesting to see when it hits really populous cities um, like uh, like a New York or a Chicago. Uh, but San Francisco is a big city, and you know they got a lot of people moving around there. Uh, but uh, but New York's got you know some crazy small roads and really aggressive drivers. So it'd be kind of intriguing to see uh, what that looks like. But um, but yeah, it's got an Uber-like experience, as you can tell. You kind of call the car with the app, with your an app. The car shows up. You hop in, and off you go, and drives you where you're going. Uh, from what I read, it's uh, very safe. Um, it uh, it has a good driving record, and in fact, a lot of people in San Francisco are trying to cause issues, like jump out in front of the car, and uh, and the car reacts appropriately and stops. So. It's, uh, I think autonomous driving is a really interesting di- dynamic uh, for a future. I have three young kids, and uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure if, if they will drive um, or get their driver's license. Uh, maybe the oldest one, the youngest, uh, might just be using autonomous driving, uh, autonomous cars uh, all the time with an Uber-like app. So at any rate, something to keep an eye on. Obviously, people are really familiar with Tesla and, uh, and, and, their, and their solutions. And, um, uh, and I think more, you know, I think the incumbent car companies will also probably have autonomous driving as well. Google has a company called Waymo, which is, they spun out and is private and, uh, uh, Waymo is, uh, is, has autonomous driving too. So I can see them offering that to some of the larger incumbents as well. But, uh, okay. So let's wrap it up for today. Uh, if you're an advisor, family office institution, you know, uh, please uh, register for this webinar. We'll get you the updates. And uh, if you want any more research, check out agdillon.com slash research for, for more of our information. Or, of course, you can get it on LinkedIn uh, or Twitter. Get links to it there as well. But uh, it ran a little long today, so let's stop it. There are no Q&A. If you have any questions, just drop me an email. I'm happy to answer them or give me a call. Thanks.